Well, hello and welcome to episode number 358 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's news pack show, we look at a very fancy food, uh, a cat attacks a pilot and a Welsh couple pull an Airbus A320. In the military news this week, planes and boats meet as the US Marines end their many years of hornets at sea while the American F-35s work abroad at an Italian neighbor's ship. A contract fighter plane for the US military experiences a mishap at Tyndall Air Force Base in Florida and Boeing's new T-7 Red Hawk goes into production with a salute to the Tuskegee Airmen. So joining me this week over in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, prepared as always. It's Matt Smith. <laughs> uh, well, hello, good evening, good day, good night, and all of the above. Uh, uh, how are we all? How are we all? All good? Very well. Well, uh, how, how are you today? I mean, how has your week been, Matt? I mean, it's it, it's in been, the world of wine. In the world of wine. Well, I mean, it 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 was adequate. That's probably all I can say on the matter. Really, it was adequate. So it was like a bottle of Lambrini then. Not quite that. No, How no. very dare you? That's such a swear <laughs> word, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you may as well drink, I don't know, Castrol GTX. White, maybe, white lightning. Yeah, white, white lightning. lightning. <laughs> yeah, um, so, joining us this week, as always, in his glorious Buckinghamshire studio, surrounded by the best cable management, it's Neville Bounds. Yes, here we are again. Well, it's been uh, been a good week, actually. Really good. Uh, very busy at work. Um, and uh, we've got some news from our company about when we can start travelling again later in the year, which we uh, always like to hear about. So that's that's been great. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to a great show tonight. Excellent. Good to see you, as always, Nev. And over in his palatial mansion in Charlotte, <laughs> it is, of course... The legend that is our military aviation expert, it's Armando. Hey guys, it is a great week here. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Charlotte. And I actually have some pretty impressive shoes to fill because right here in the Charlotte studio, I was sat across from Dr. Steph and my beautiful wife, Megan, who were practicing for, I don't know, this upcoming thing next week. But I think, I, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Have we, oh, have we got yes. something coming up? I, I'm more nervous about the fact that uh, that Nev and, and Carlos, just before we hit the live button, so we can't talk about it now, saying that they've got a big announcement to share with us, which I'm a little bit terrified about. Great. It'll be news <laughs> to all of us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's all right. It's all right. You, you and uh, John can be, uh, and Armando can be the uncle. It's fine. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I mean, there's so many things that need to be discussed all of a sudden. I know, I know, I know. know. (laughs) It's just to keep all our listeners there, you see. Anyway, we have got two incredible guests joining us this week, and they are the most awesome hosts of a podcast I think everyone listens to. It's certainly on my playlist. It's the A320 podcast. So we welcome onto the show back again. It is Matt and Andy from the A320 podcast. Evening, everyone. Thank you Hello. very much for having us, as always. Although you can't say that now, because obviously that's not the only podcast they're involved in. No, uh, it's no, probably no. worth mentioning. <laughs> so, Andy, 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 how are things? We will kick off with you first, Andy, Ben's is your, um, your, your kind of, uh, you know, ready to He's the one you can see first. Is that yeah. literally right? That's it, yeah. <laughs> okay. Very good here. Thank you very much. Yep. Yeah, lovely up in uh, the northeast. I mean, it was snowing this morning. What? Which was, yeah, huh? it was snowing this morning. Um, I went out in shorts cool. this morning. 
But everything's very good. And I have to say, by the way, Matt is excellent at customer services in his uh, wine job. He helped me out a lot at the beginning <laughs> of the week, so thank you very much. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if if I didn't, then I wouldn't have my job, would I? Let's be honest. <laughs> it's like, how does this CC manager work again? Yes. Anyway, oh, thank you. That's very kind, Andy. <laughs> no, all good, and thanks for having us on the show again. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, as always, Andy. Good to see you. And, Matt, how are things with you in your uh, studio there? Yes, very good, thank you. Yes, uh, all good this end. Uh, I flew a real aeroplane yesterday. What? <gasps> Whoa, <laughs> hang on. Thing. I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Yes. Gasp of breath. Really, everyone. really, you flew a Boeing? <laughs> oh, very oh. good. Ah! Come yeah. on, Matt. It's time to leave, mate. Yeah, I should. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, thanks for having us on. Yeah, no, actually, I've got yeah, a much better idea. Down. What we'll do is we'll boot Carlos off the call for that. <laughs> Honestly, how rude. <laughs> oh, I, uh, to be fair, Mr. Smith, I yes. should call you Mr. Smith, being oh. I've got two Matts on the show this okay. week. Don't, don't forget, these guys... <laughs> My uh, full know, title. Uh, these guys have got the uh, the 737 uh, podcast now, you see. So yeah. it's another one to add to the list of podcasts to listen to each week. It's very good. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yes. Nice to recovered well done <laughs> i know i know that's what i'm here for uh-huh. anyway so uh we have a uh, weekly roundup and uh this one is brought to us from armando and this is an oshkosh update so if you're ready matt hey everybody here's a quick oshkosh update an innovative air show format to promote social distancing will be part of ea's air venture oshkosh 2021 uh, the afternoon air show will at times feature a split performance area that accommodates two acts flying at the same time. The split performance areas along Oshkosh's 11,000-foot flight line will be used for aerobatic displays with aircraft that have a smaller performance footprint. Uh, this will allow two acts to safely fly their rehearsed routines at the same time, one at the north end of the aerobatic box while the other one fi- flies simultaneously at the south end. Uh, the AirVenture uh, sound system already has the capability to do split narration, so each act will have its own announcer and music. So imagine, for instance, Vicky Benzing in flying her steerman in the north box with her own announcer while Patty Wagstaff flies her extra in the south box, also with her own music and announcer. That's according to EAA. Uh, they go on to say that we'll manage the schedule so that later in the week those acts will change locations. Like that, if you're camping down in the vintage area, which is all the way at the south end, or volunteering uh, up in Warbirds, which is at the north end, you'll still see all the performers throughout the week. Now, for aircraft that require a larger demonstration area, such as the F-16 Viper demo team and the World War II Warbirds that fly through the entire airshow box, in those cases, the full flight line will be used for their performances as in the past. Uh, They go on to say, one example might be uh, instead of having an Air Force Special Operations Command, CV-22 Osprey insert special operators at Air Show Center only. They're going to request that more than one Osprey, and uh, it, they insert locations along the crowd line. Uh, these are not; uh, these are really common sense measures that do not impact safety while spreading the entertainment value along a much larger area. Now, they say that some of these innovations could become part of uh, Air Venture permanently past 2021. Anyway, speaking of, the aircraft and and, uh, operators of Special Operations Command or Air Force Special Operations Command will be among the highlighted programs at Oshkosh 2021. AFSOC is comprised of highly trained, rapidly deployable airmen who conduct special operations missions worldwide. 
Uh, these airmen who undertake a special operations career specialize in unique skills such as parachuting, scuba diving, rappelling, motorcycling, survival skill, and many, many, many more. Uh, aircraft in the command include specialized mobility aircraft such as the MC-130, the CV-22, the C-146. You're going to have to look that one up. Close air support aircraft like the AC-130 gunship and intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance aircraft such as the MQ-9 and the U-28, which is a PC-12. According to EAA, even those uh, who have a solid familiarity with the U.S. Air Force often know little about its special operations units and the important missions that they fulfill. So they want to bring some of that visibility to Oshkosh in 2021. Now that's according to Rick Larson, who's EAA's Vice President of Communities and Member Programming, who coordinates air venture features and attractions. He goes on to say that the Air Force has been extremely cooperative through the years at showcasing showcasing its remarkable people and aircraft at Air Venture. They look forward to discovering that even more in 2021. Continuing on with Oshkosh, uh, some of the world's top airshow performers have already made commitments to fly in 2021. Uh, as part of the afternoon and night airshow lineups with more uh, expected to commit in the coming months. Those performers include aerobatic champions and longtime Oshkosh favorites. Uh, the event features nine air shows over seven days, including the night air shows on July 28th and July 31st. Now, we attended those last year and they were awesome. Uh, among the re uh, returning performers and aircraft already on the schedule, they include the Aeroshell Aerobatic Team in their T6s, Vicky Bensink in the Stearman, Rob Holland, uh, Jeff uh, Borbin in his uh, twin Yak 110 jet assisted uh, aircraft. Uh, let's see, Wild Blue Rodeo, the RV-8s, Kirby Shambliss, Aaron Fitzgerald, and the Red Bull Air Force, Patty Wagstaff, which we mentioned at the top, uh, in her extra, the Geico uh, Sky Typewriters, Sky Typewriters, Sky Typers, and Matt Yonkin in his Twin Beach 18, which is one of my favorite aircraft. That's among many, many others. So, everybody, Oshkosh is happening. We're going to see you there. Wow. That's fantastic. That's, that's really exciting. So it's definitely happening then, Armando. This is great news. Oshkosh is happening. It's going to be socially distanced. They're taking some uh, precautions, but Oshkosh is happening. As far as we know, Reno is happening. Uh, Sun and Fun, I think, is going to happen. So I think we may go pseudo back to normal this year, as far right. as air shows. Fantastic. Now, I have to say there's been a lot of comments in the chat room about your amazing green screen that you were using there um, as your backdrop. Apparently, you know, the lighting was fab fabulous, I think Lane uh, pointed out. Uh, mm. Although there were complaints about you needing to step up your muff game. <laughs> you know what? I uh, I always have room for improvement for this show. I will do anything. So <laughs> if you guys are willing to pay for a new muff, then I'd be more than happy to Right. Oblige. Okay. I mean, you, you can't have one like what Ned bought himself because I, I saw how much that was. But uh, <laughs> wow. Well, we can all aspire to be Nav. Well, the, true. True indeed. But no, I would say genuinely really exciting, isn't it? That uh, To think that there is the possibility of some possible kind of normality sort of sort of later on this year i'm sort of you know it's uh, it's gonna be th those first air shows are just gonna be like so cool yeah i agree i'm i'm very much looking forward to it and i was actually talking to one of the guys from opposing bases and they're going up to uh, oshkosh hopefully and dr steph who's sitting in my kitchen right now um <laughs> uh, we're all planning on going up there so it'll be a good time yeah, sounds fantastic. Uh, Captain Cruz is asking the question in the chat room, by the way, what, what map, what airport is that behind you? The short answer is, is I don't know, but Alex, who is in the chat room, who sent me the picture, will be able to answer that very shortly, I'm sure. So. It's Gloucester. 
Oh, is it? Right, OK. Yes, Gloucester. OK, Gloucester very Airport, good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> so it's that time of the month where we say a huge thank you to everyone across the globe who donates to the show to help, well, to help everything happen that uh, you see and hear every week. So, Nev, over to you. Yes, it is. And uh, we couldn't do this without the help of the following people. Thanks very much indeed to Nicholas Codling, Warren Dixon, Louise Kasharis, Alan Loveday, Andrew van der Sarg, Alan White, Stephen Howland, Tanya Wyman, Megan Carrion, Stuart Backer, Jonathan Warner, Eric Graves, Matt Caton, Jordan Rose, Andrew Wilson, Captain Jeff, Adam Spink, Liz Piper, Jeff Ward, Ray Williams, Jacob Darlington-Brown, Nicholas Hewitt, Masha, Owen, Reuben Wells, uh, Graham Haley, Myla, Evan Shue, Philip Labe and Stephanie Plummer. Were Lee Davis, Richard Adams, Jennifer Parkinson, Mazuz Kareem, Tony Stubbings and Anthony Smithson. Thank you very much to one and all of you. It is very much appreciated. Yes, indeed. And if you want to become a patron or donate to the show, you can find that via our website, as always. So it's time to say hello to everyone in the chat room this evening, in the YouTube chat room. Hello to one and all. We've got a massive amount of people in there this week. Awesome. Hello to Lee Davies. Uh, We've got Richard Adams in there. Uh, We've got Sturman. Hello to you, Gareth. Hope you're well. And we have got Alex Robinson. Hello to you, Alex. Lane, we couldn't obviously do a show uh, without Lane being in the chat room. Alan White. Hello to you, Alan. We've got the bike pilot. Uh, That one in ever for the bike pilot. Uh, Laura Davis. Hello to you, Laura. I hope you're well. Tony S. uh, Graham Haley. Uh, air show world we had in there earlier he'll be back again later on uh, the air stig hello to you and uh, just make sure i don't miss anyone hello to masha uh, evan shoe my word it's obviously gonna be really early where evan is uh ali o hello to you ali o and scroll down make sure i don't miss anyone on the list before we move on mark Priestley, hello to you mark Priestley as well and neil lamborn hello to you neil good to see you you've made it into uh, into the chat room this evening for the show and i think i've got everyone on the list there if i missed anyone sorry but thank you to everyone for joining us this evening great to see you all in there don't forget as well if you're listening to the show as an audio podcast uh, you can check us out over on youtube to search for us plain talking uk over on youtube and uh, click on the subscribe button and don't forget the bell icon next door to it to be notified when we are live and recording new episodes like we are right now and then you can join us in the chat room with all the other awesome family members so it's that time where we're going to kick off uh, then the start of the show as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from across the world and the uk so if everyone is ready certainly are let's go So, kicking off this week's first news story, this one comes to us from ftnonline.co.uk. And it's good news if you are training to become a pilot, because PPL training is expected to resume from the 12th of April this year. The UK Department for Transport has today up 
updated its guidance for the general aviation community detailing a three-stage phase return to GA flying. The key dates aligned with wider pandemic lockdown recovery guidance are 29th of March, 12th of April and the 17th of May. In all cases, GA activity should take place in line with the wider restrictions and travel should be minimised as far as possible. 29th of March, solo flying and flying with household bubble members is going to be allowed. People will no longer be required to stay at home. This will allow the safe restart of GA flying for non-professional purposes uh, for solo pilots or individuals flying with a member of their household bubble. Uh, Training for professional pilots or those in training to be professional pilots will be able to continue. Uh, Training for leisure recreational purposes should not take place though. 12th of April, flight training for private pilots can resume. So flight training for all pilots Uh, and flights with an instructor can resume. GA businesses will be able to open following COVID with secure guidance. For example, commercial balloon operators, outdoor gatherings must still be limited to six people, though, uh, or two households. 17th of May, GA events can restart, uh, restart. Some large events will be permitted. These will be... um, indoor events with capacities of a thousand people or half full whichever is less in outdoor venues with a capacity of four thousand people or half full whichever is less in the largest outdoor seated venues where crowds can be spread out up to ten thousand people will be able to attend or a quarter full whichever is less the government will lift most legal restrictions on meeting others outdoors but gatherings of more than 30 people outdoors will remain illegal indoors people will be able to meet socially in a group of six or with one other household though it may be possible to go further than this uh, at step three depending on the data so things may be starting to resume and get back to some kind of normality within the uk but it is good to see that the training will be able to uh, resume for uh, our ga community and uh, obviously those who are learning to fly so what yeah, do you think absolutely. about this really exciting I, I, I it's been a long time coming hasn't it mm. been a long time coming it's um I, I, funnily enough it, it, i've been missing the buzz uh, of uh, you know the little gear because we get a lot around here obviously because we've got the airfield at beckles there's quite often a lot of people sort of floating around and stuff um and i must admit i have been really missing that buzz do you get much uh, over where you are nev a little bit, yes. Uh, obviously, I'm not that far from uh, Booker, which is uh, Wickham uh, Airfield. In fact, Mrs Nev thought she uh, heard a GA aircraft the other day, so I went tearing outside to have a look, and it was uh, an A400M going into Brighton. Right. So, <laughs> uh, right. A little bigger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right up there with some of the media stories we've seen. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, quite, yes. It's a bit of a media fail there. Right? <laughs> uh, from uh, the Airstinger, Canberra Balloon Spectacular starts today. It's 6.15am now. The briefing should be taking place right now, and the weather looks like it's going to play along. I wonder if um, Grant is there. That does. That's the sort of... No, he's oh. not going to be flying in that event. No, oh, no. Well, well, yeah, I didn't know if he'd be there sort of like commenting or, or something like that. But uh, there we go. Ray so, Davis, my, our, our listener Ray Davis, he's he's a keen balloonist, so he might be there. You never know. That's true. That is true. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's really exciting, though, to hear that obviously that Australia is sort of, I mean, I, I know they had a very, very extreme lockdown, didn't they? I mean, they, they, oh, they went in proper sort of hardcore, didn't they, to get this sorted. So it's sort of exciting yeah. that, you know, that the, the work is sort of, 
beginning to pay off for a few people i think really it's just going to be so nice to i i, I literally cannot wait for some kind of normality i, I know this has all been done for our own good i know but I, oh just just like I, i'm going to be a little bit excited when we're allowed to hug people again i do warn anyone <laughs> when that when that is allowed uh if you don't like hugs you will need to keep well away because i won't be able to help myself there's no two ways to, no two ways about it <laughs> so next story is uh, for andy and uh, a foodie story andy yes yeah, so this is fancy in-flight food from two favorite airlines it's on uh, simple flying and the points guy as well lufthansa group member swiss is partnering up with a well-established swiss confection company <clears throat> confissory sprungly to boost its economy God. class service <laughs> the airline will work exclusively with the chocolate maker to introduce fresh items to its swiss saveurs menu for in-flight for purchase snacks from march the 30th on its zurich network and from april the 28th for its geneva network confissory sprungly is a long-established and internationally renowned swiss family firm the airline states that they are putting a firm emphasis on offer, offering a wide selection of items on freshness and quality, on regional accents and on sustainable packaging. Offerings include Bircher muesli, a pretzel with air-dried beef. Well, that sounds nice. A vegetable brioche and Sprungley's famous Luxembourgerly mini macaroons. Prices range from 7.50 Swiss francs, which is about £5.50 for individual items, to 18.50 Swiss francs, so about £14.50, for a freshly prepared hot meal on longer flights. The product range is expected to be updated every three to six months. And sticking with the food theme, Virgin Atlantic is bringing back the upper-class meal experience. The airline announced on Monday that it's bringing back many of the favourite elements of the upper-class dining experience after suspending them in July 2020 in procedural changes due to COVID-19. The returning services include welcome drinks, a choice of three hot meals and a breakfast or light bite option. As part of the reintroduction of full meal service to the upper class experience, Virgin has also unveiled its spring menu. The two choices of starter in the spring menu include mozzarella and tomato salad with micro basil and cress or a ciabatta roll with butter. The three main menu courses new for the spring include roast chicken breast with potato puree, sautéed spinach, girolis mushrooms and bourbon sauce, artichoke tortellini with wilted spinach, grilled artichokes and a sage butter sauce, and roasted salmon fillet with lemon and spring onion giant couscous, grilled baby courgettes and a Cherville sauce. By that's a mouthful. The desserts <laughs> that's good, it's food. That's what we want. That's what we want. <laughs> The desserts on the spring menu include coconut lemon tartlet, seasonal fresh fruit or cheddar, brie and Stilton cheeses with crackers. We know our customers are missing that magical feeling you get when you step on board an aircraft ready to start your travels. Virgin Atlantic Chief Customer and Operating Officer Corneal Costa said in a statement. Whilst customers may not be able to travel right now, we're bringing back these little touches, including welcome drinks, hand-plated food and more choice of meals so that the first flight after lockdown feels even more special. Wow, the boy the boy from the northeast has gone posh, hasn't he? Oh, <laughs> I he know. Has. What happened there? <laughs> Didn't he do well? <laughs> Didn't he do well? Excellent. Very, very it, proud. The, the pictures look amazing. I mean, the food looks bloody awesome. Mm. I'm not going to lie, it really does look nice. It's, it's edible. Really. experience, isn't yeah. it, when you go flying, a nice meal. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. 
Yeah. What's what's the best meal that um that uh, you've ever had on a plane, Andy? Let's start with you. Um. Well, I've been in beer club a few times, and I've had beef and duck a few times on there. That was quite nice. Nice. Uh, Emirates do a lovely selection as well. True. Yeah, I can't really pin it down. No. Okay. What about you, Matt? Any any sort of personal favourites? Um. Probably the same as Andy mentioned there, actually. I flew BA Club um year before last, and we had the beef on there, and that was, for an airline meal, was fantastic, I thought, yeah. Right. Yeah, it feels like it's fresh off the grill, doesn't it? It's really yeah. nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Mr. Bounds, obviously, we go for our, our finer comment. Well, indeed. But, yeah, no, I agree with the guys. Uh, the, uh, uh, definitely in the club Europe uh, or club world uh, of BA, that's very nice. But actually, one of the ones I did have, which was very nice, going to Los Angeles once on uh, Air New Zealand, uh, 747 on the top deck. Uh, that was very nice. Similar sort of um, style of food, but it was beautifully prepared. And, uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And no shortage of uh, alcoholic uh, beverage. Oh, dear. Uh, on, on the morning fight, I presume, uh, That's right, it yeah. was, <laughs> <laughs> I think Nev's been modest. He prefers foie gras and caviar. Really. A good point. Yes, good point. Well made. Yes. What about you? What about you, Carlos? I mean, obviously you've oh, you, you've perhaps not done the first class quite as much as the others. <laughs> well, actually, I was going to say through this. I mean, I have to be the same as as those guys because the, the best meal I ever had, I think, was when I travelled back from Dubai with Nev in um, BA Club Club World with this fillet steak. The fillet steak was just just ridiculously nice. Mm. Um, but also, you know, to be fair, Emirates do do really, really good food in economy um, mm. and business. Um, um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, definitely BA was that that meal that me and Nev had on there. Don't you agree, Nev? That that bloody fillet steak was absolutely. God. They did a nice job, there, didn't they? Wow, yeah, very very pleasing yeah. on the palate. Uh, and, a... the, and the Speedbird One Hundred as well. Uh, Richard Adams is saying I had a great flight from Brisbane to um, oh no, where's that? Launceston. Uh, Launston, sorry, uh, once, and the meal uh, was just a pie. Very nice, though. Well, I mean, that's true, yeah. I, I, I'm afraid I don't have any nice uh, food stories that I can share with anyone because I've never been lucky enough to, to do that. Perhaps so, airlines yeah. should just have a good old-fashioned pie and mash menu. Or bangers and mash or something like that, yeah. Well, Go full yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I'm a big ham of the, I'm a big, a big fan of the ham and cheese panini, panini that Ryanair do. That's my only experience of uh, airline food. <laughs> it's very mm. nice. Okay. Anyway, Matt. We're yeah. going to move away from food, and Matt, we're going to go to bulk seating. Next. Right, okay, all right. So this is from several uh, sources again. So it's Click Avio, uh, Simple Flying, Flight Global, uh, to name but a few. And the headline is French B plans to do apologise about my dog. He's going absolutely bananas for some reason. I'll so, <laughs> Sincere apologies. Uh, so it is uh, French B plans to put 488 seats on an Airbus A350 1. Thousand. Uh, could this efficiency move be the key to making the low-cost long-haul model work? French low-cost carrier French B will soon be operating an incredibly efficient fleet of six Airbus A350s. Uh, the airline already has four A350-900s with 411 seats. However, it is also expecting to take two leased A350-1000s during 2021. Uh, the uh, following arrivals will feature... Uh, forthcoming arrival sorry will feature a massive 488 seats each 
Wow. Uh, when compared to how other operators of the type have theirs configured, the difference is striking. Qatar Airways uh, flies the A350-1000 with 327 seats, while British... Wow, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. So there's a difference of, like, 488 versus 327 seats, while British Airways has 331. This kind of new level density will greatly increase uh, French B's fuel efficiency, uh, with the company potentially and theoretically uh, operating a fully packed aircraft at 234 miles per gallon per seat. Wow. Uh, French B's new aircraft, which it will lease from an undisclosed lesser, will be able to accommodate 40 passengers in premium economy and 448 in economy class. While it's not certain which type of the A350 uh, will operate the route, uh, the airline has some very enticing transatlantic offers lined up for October. Return flights between Newark and Paris uh, Orly are being marketed for as little as 254 um uh, dollars. Uh, this is comparable to Nor Norwegian's lowest prices from London Gatwick to New York when the now defunct long haul division of the airline flew their 787s on the transatlantic route. It remains to be seen whether this low cost long haul high density business plan will work for the company. French B is heavily relying on borders opening and leisure demand increasing very soon. Uh, Managing Director for French B, uh, Muriel Asseline said that we are a friends and family airline if the leisure traveller cannot fly then there is no market I mean I'm a bit Some scared by those, in the chat I'm a bit scared by those numbers that that is quite fr we're, we're talking I mean what on earth is the seat pitch going to be if we're going to cram in 488 people into that well, it's not that, that I'm aircraft. always concerned about the term high density it, it uh, yeah. sends shivers up my spine <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it's not a great sign Richard I, Adams I is saying that uh, that sort of density they'll need <laughs> yeah. to scatter uh, straw on the floor right okay uh, a true example uh, of cattle class lane is is adding I mean there is a lot of truth in what's being said there. I mean, they, Alex they, Robinson they is saying, are we, are we sure they haven't confused the A380 with the A350? Good yeah, point, we, well we flew on the Dash 1000, didn't we? Mm, yes. Yeah, and I thought the seating arrangements on BA's Dash 1000 were really mm. nice. Yeah. Uh, Laura's saying, by the way, we'll yeah. have to have people in the overhead bins as well, I think. <laughs> They'll have to have yeah. people in the, in, the, in the cargo hold at this rate. Yeah. Fit all right. I mean, it might be a bit fresh. I can see this working for French B, though, because the only way of truly make money low cost is to pack the thing out. And I if you can get a cheap ticket across the Atlantic, people will pay it. Yeah. No, that is true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 234 miles per gallon per seat is, is an incredible number, isn't it? It's I mean, pretty it's pretty impressive, yeah. It, it, the, the trouble is, is being a tall and wide person... Um, the, 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 he says, using his words diplomatically, um, the, 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 the seat density for me would be a serious concern. That's, that's the only thing that worries me. A 40 in premium economy, John's telling me. I think it's year. way too many. Great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but it's not only that. It's not yeah. only the seat pitch and the, and the distance and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other. It's how long the aircraft will take to load as well. You know, you've got to take that into account as mm. well. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure they. Yeah. I'm sure they thought about that. Mm. <laughs> anyway, moving on, Nev, you've got um, some vicious cats. Oh yes, and it's on simpleflying.com. And uh, listener warning: uh, this story does contain one or two puns. I can't imagine why the uh, the production 
team thought I was the most appropriate. Brace yourselves. To read this out. But it says that a scheduled flight from Sudan to Qatar was forced to return to its origin after the cockpit was hijacked by a furry infiltrator. The clawful situation arose after a cat thought to have stowed away during cleaning woke up and became terrified by his new surroundings. He attacked the captain, causing the plane to return to Khartoum and giving passengers a hysterical story of a flight gone wrong. Uh, Some aviation stories are positively unbelievable, but in this case, we're not kidding around. A Tarko Airlines flight from Khartoum to Doha had to return to its origin after pilots encountered a formidable opponent shortly after takeoff. (laughs) The Boeing 737 departed Khartoum on time and was around 30 minutes into its journey when a catastrophe occurred. Uh, A feline stowaway appeared unexpectedly in the cockpit to the great surprise of the Sudanese pilots. According to uh, a report in Al Sudani, uh, the kitty was not a happy passenger and proceeded to attack the captain. Whilst the crew made every attempt to capture the aggressive stowaway, it proved impossible to get near the furry hijacker. Unable to continue the journey, the pilots set about returning to Khartoum to the surprise of the passengers on board. Uh, Whilst you might assume that the naughty cat was an escapee from a passenger's onboard belongings, it seems that he was more likely to be a feral feline who sought a comfortable place to rest. Al-Sudani reported that the plane was stationary in the hangar overnight for cleaning and preparations. It's believed that the cat crept on board and found a comfortable spot to rest in the cockpit. Of course, the ICAO code for Khartoum is HSSS. And it's completely coincidental, but beautifully expresses the emotion felt by the cat finding he was several thousand feet in the air. I mean, I'm not at all surprised that the cat was perhaps a little um, unhappy about uh, being in an aircraft, because I suppose if nothing else, like the... Uh, the, oh, the I've just seen the chat room. The, the chat pun, the, Nick Codling, how very dare you. I'm not <laughs> feline too good after that story. Uh, Nev, you did very well there to sort of keep going, I'll be honest. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes, there's a potential for a fail there, yeah. wasn't there? Definitely. Richard Cat Adams suggested taken the hiss. Oh, <laughs> Richard Adams has suggested that it was uh, a strange, uh, strange tale. Um, uh, they found well, they the did perfect a, a cat spot three to landing. Hide. Laura Davis is saying, <laughs> "Cat three landing." Uh, was claw enforcement waiting for them when the aircraft landed? Alex Robinson has suggested. Lovely, keep them coming. Here we go. <laughs> any more for any more. Uh, oh, Micah says define an uh, define an airplane, and then I'm sure it would have been a PBY Catalina. Oh, I did. I think we should finish this with that captain on this flight had, sure had a nice tale to tell his kids. Lovely. Actually, to be fair, that's not the only story uh, this week that I- involved uh, felines and transportation. Slightly off topic, but uh, something that's more in my remit of interest. Um, there was a very famous... Uh, there, were, there were pictures here. There was, we could, uh, no, I don't like aviation. You know I don't like aviation. <laughs> it's just like... There we go. There's, it's just, uh, all my hosts are horrified. Yeah, You know I don't do flying and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, the uh, cat on the train. The cat on the train. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So uh, there was um, uh, uh, several route. Uh, what uh, I think it was one particular route was delayed for quite a long time because basically, despite everyone's best efforts, that the looks cat really not, like Poppy. That does look like Poppy, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, was she missing at all a couple of days ago? Just out of interest. <laughs> Pops, <laughs> come in. Oh dear. Never mind. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> 
Moving on uh, to uh, the next story. Matt, uh, you've got this one about all about uh, uh, steps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the stories yeah. don't be get right any with, uh, less say, you're strange. Be, you're going to be all right with the pronunciations on this one. Well, I think right. mine's a bit harder than Andy's. It right. says ladder. Give, give him his dues. He's stepping up to this story. Oh, yeah. so. for goodness <laughs> sake. So, yeah, we continue with our string of bizarre stories <laughs> with um, a ladder on the runway at Birmingham Airport. And this is following um, a report from the AAIB about... Uh, Basically, a ladder left on a runway. Uh, Three passenger aircraft narrowly missed a step ladder that had fallen off the back of an airport maintenance truck and was left on the runway as they landed, an investigation has found. Now, the probe has said that the six-foot or two-metre item was not removed until after the third plane had touched down at Birmingham Airport. Wow. I know. Aviation authorities have ruled... A bungee cord fastening the ladder secure was not suitable. The airport has since changed procedures, I assume, to a bigger bungee. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Nobody was hurt by the object's presence in the middle of the runway, and none of the planes were damaged. But a report by the AAIB said that with landing speeds in excess of 120 knots, an aircraft hitting an object, such as a ladder, may have resulted in substantial damage, which... I think uh, anyone that flies aircraft will know that you don't have to hit a very big object to cause a significant amount of damage. No, mainly because of the speeds, presumably. Yeah, and, you know, it flicks up and all sorts of things um, that could cause damage on, certainly. Mm. Now, assuming that the aircraft all landed with their nose wheels astride of the centre line of the runway and using landing gear dimensional data from the 737, it means that the ladder was between 0.2 metres and 2.29 metres from the line. So we're not talking very far away, are we? From Nobody lands on this line, Matt, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's what they've, they've assumed, you see. If they were off the centre line, 0.2 metres. So, yeah, pretty close. Um, they said that the ladder was among the apparatus of two airport technicians who'd been working on runway 33's approach lights on the 8th of September 2020. As they accelerated on their way to their next task, the ladder fell from their truck and came to rest just to the right of the runway centreline. Three aircraft later touched down with the item in their sight. The crew of the second aircraft, a Boeing 737, was the first to alert air traffic control, reporting that an unknown object appeared to be on the runway. The third aircraft then reported it had seen something similar. The third, that third aircraft, the 757, was warned there could be something on the runway, but the crew decided to land and then reported seeing a stepladder. The object was then found near the touchdown zone. The report said a bungee cord used to secure it to the truck came from the maintenance organisation's own supplies, and while more suitable securing equipment was available, it was not readily to hand. At first mm-hmm. sight, the bungee may have seemed suitable for the, to secure the ladder the investigation found, but added that the way it was attached to the truck was unsuitable because it was stretched almost to its limit. An airport spokesman said the site had carried out a full investigation with changes identified. 
Their statement read, The vast majority of these plans have now been actioned, which include the revision of procedures, issuing of specific control measures and practical assessments. We have also focused on training and harmonisation of working practices involving and engaging with employees across the operation to empower and embed the changes. Plenty of buzzwords in there for their report. <laughs> uh, we are extremely grateful to the AAIB for their comprehensive report and we stress that Birmingham Airport is committed to providing safe and secure environment for all those that use the facility. So yeah, yeah bizarre and just what rotten luck that it was at the touchdown zone just off the centre line. As well, well, speaking of uh, AAIB uh, cooperation, I, I actually downloaded the report. It's a 20-page report. And all I could think of was, can you imagine being the one investigator in the middle of the night that gets called up and says, hey, we, we need you to go out there because there was a ladder on the runway. And and over the next six months, you're authoring a 20-page report documenting how, how there was a ladder in the middle of the runway. Hey, you know, that's your, uh, your air, air aviation safety investigations at work. Yeah, I, I, I mean, exactly. as, uh, Stephen H is suggesting in the chat room also that very essentially that however many page report that you refer to says uh, new procedure, uh, make sure that they don't drop the ladder. Simple as that, really. That, uh, that poor <laughs> investigator has gone through CCTV footage. That's all in the document. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in here for a ladder that's fallen off. I would I love think... to know what the reaction was of, if they had it on CCTV of the two technicians getting out of their truck and realising there was no ladder in the back. <laughs> yeah. And how long and did it take them to realise? How long did it take them to realise? That's the other question. How yeah, long there's was no mention went, of that. Hang on. I think it would have been a bit Laurel and Hardy just stood there scratching their heads just thinking, <laughs> what, where's it gone? We had a ladder. I'm sure we had a ladder. <laughs> the worrying thing for me is uh, the second crew that landed reported it and then ATC just let the 757 continue. <laughs> and that crew decided, yeah, all right, we'll give it a go. I mean, you'd have thought that they'd have perhaps, you know, asked for, you know, sort of say, can you just do a quick go around, please? <laughs> I mean, well, let's face it, you know, B Birmingham Airport is not exactly the, the smoothest runway in the world at the best of times. It looks like, looks like some sort Good of... Good point, actually. <laughs> studio, yeah. Might not have even noticed if you hit the ladder. <laughs> I was going to say, so they just thought it was standard operating procedure. It is a pretty rough runway there, yeah. Mm. Yeah, Richard Adams has said, suggesting something else to be added to the no-tams. Um, <laughs> watch out for ladders, yeah. Wow. Okay. I think we've got all the all the amount of uh, puns and stuff we can get out of that particular story. <laughs> Blimey. Let's let's move on to a story that hopefully won't have any puns. Although, it, well, you never know. Yeah. yeah. Oh. 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 So, yeah. Alex has got a good point. Apparently, first of all, why are you taking a ladder onto a runway in the first place? Um, which is a good um, point. I mean, well, it says they were if they were doing the approach lights, they're obviously on stilts, aren't they? So yeah. they might have been doing the approach lighting. Yeah, and after the um, the extension at Birmingham, the approach lights are really accessible from the um, extended. It's not extended threshold. What's it called? The run up anyway. They're they're, they're very accessible from there, so they'll have just parked on the end of there and gone with their ladders. Oh, I see. Okay, rather than needing things like sort of cherry pickers and 
and stuff like yeah. that to gain access. Perhaps, to perhaps upgrade from a flatbed truck to a van. This wouldn't happen. <laughs> I mean, yeah, a van with doors on would have probably yes. prevented this. Let's be Are honest. you trying to get work here, Carlos? Is that what it is? <laughs> Just he's got saying, his new van. He's very excited. Got a new van. Yeah, yeah, yeah anyway. absolutely, yeah. It's a very nice anyway, blue shiny van as well. I love yeah. my new van. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the next one, Armando, this one's for you. And uh, a Guinness World Record uh, happened yeah. this weekend. I should stress, I'm very much looking forward to hearing Armando pronounce all these Welsh names. Everybody grab a coffee, get comfy. <laughs> Uh, well, well, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, con- continuing on with uh, non-traditional stories, two women from Wales have broken the Guinness uh, world record for the fastest 20-meter A320 aircraft pull by a team of two. That's a record. We should all aspire to, to break that record. Uh, strong women Sue Taylor Franklin and Sam Taylor broke the record by pulling an Air Moldova A320 across a 20-meter marker in 37.63 seconds. So there's our goal, Carlos. Uh, not only do these strong women break records together, but Sue and Sam are married and live in Lanrumni with their 10-year-old <laughs> son, Ollie, who is cheering them on for the day. Uh, the women had three minutes to haul the 48-ton narrow-body A320 across the tarmac of a uh, at St. Athen, St. Athens uh, Airfield in Wales. Taylor and Taylor Franklin, age 42 and 52 are currently ranked as the first and second strongest women in Britain. Sam, 42 years old, achieved second place as Europe's strongest woman in 2019. She also has records for two years running for the 90 uh, kilogram squats, benches and deadlifts for Wales. And prior to Sunday, Sue, age 52, also had two British deadlifting records and nine mixed powerlifting records achieved in just two years after she started training a week after her 50th birthday. They told the local media that they were recruited by Guinness Book of World Records to break this record in celebration of St. David's Day, which is uh, every year on March 1st. Uh, Taylor told the Barry and District News, it was so weird because two years ago, while on holiday in Dubai, I had a thought that I'd like to try and break a, re- a, a record as the first Welsh woman to pull a plane. The idea had fallen by the wayside until they got a call from Guinness World Records. Both women have also qualified for the World's Strongest Woman 2021 competition, which is set to take place in Florida later this year. As part of this Guinness event, a man from Wales also broke the record for being the fastest man to single-handedly pull an A320 for a distance of 20 meters. Matt's going to take care of that record when, uh, when we go out to Wales at some point. Uh, strong man Mark Jeans, who is nicknamed the Welsh Dragon, pulled the jet the required distance in 31.3 seconds. I mean, actually, that I mean that last video there that I was playing. I mean, uh, in fact, I'm going to run it again because it was really quite impressive. Uh, I was they, actually going to say it's worth pointing out the Matt that that A320 wasn't a stripped A320. No, no, was, no, no, it was it complete. Was but I, complete there was plan. quite a lick of speed there towards the end. Mm. Um, uh, sorry, when they start pulling, if you if you're watching the the video here, obviously we'll make sure these are in the the links to these are in the show notes, obviously as well, um, for those of you listening to the audio version of this. But actually, I mean, if you look at that, they get a real move on. Um, you know, once they've got the um, well, you know, once they've got the sort of the initial momentum underway, I mean, it's it's proper moving, isn't they? Having to sort of move quick, really it's, good. It's unbelievable. Hey. A320 guys, have you guys ever had to do this when the tug doesn't work or something? <laughs> I haven't before, but it's a good idea. I might right. uh, I mean, bear that in mind. It saves a trip to the gym. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll have to bulk up a bit before I attempt that. <laughs> After <laughs> lockdown, the last thing I need to do is bulk up. 
<laughs> Ain't that the truth? I was going to say, oh. Matt, Matt and Andy, when you, if you two guys are ever flying together, you know, at least you've got this you know, inspiration here that if you ever get stuck, you could... You could just tie a rope to pull. the front and move it around yeah, yourself. Pull yeah. your, your yeah. 320 I'm sure that doesn't break any rules whatsoever on airport property. I'm sure just... that's absolutely fine. My question <laughs> is, how, is, how do we get back in? Good point. Well made. Ropes. Yeah. Ropes. Well, I was going to say, they'll probably send the same AAIB investigator out to <laughs> <laughs> research the latter incident. He can, like, go, he can go through hours of CCTV to see me and Matt pulling a, yeah. <laughs> the thing behind us. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. I can say, if you guys ever do that, we want that video for the show, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, you that, have first dibs. Right. That, that, Excellent. That's that's a no then. Excellent. Lovely. Nev, okay. we, we, want that, we want that in 4K, Nev. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, next uh, story. Uh, this one comes to us from aviationweek.com and airbus.com. Uh, Singapore Technologies Engineering has inducted its first A320 passenger to freighter conversion, or P2F. It marks the beginning of the world's first ever A320 P2F conversion. Works will be carried out at ST Engineering's Selectar facility. Uh, the Singapore MRO expects to take in 30 passenger aircraft for conversion this year on the back of a strong demand for freighters. Uh, ST Engineering told Aviation Daily that it had inducted 10 aircraft for the conversion in 2020 and expected a triple that number this year. According to Aviation Week Intelligence Network Fleet and Data Services, ST Engineering's A320 was formerly operated by Indigo as Victor Tango India Hotel Mike, or MSN 2737. Uh, it first flew in March 2006 under Brazil's TAM, or Linas Aires, with CIT Leasing Group as the lessor. It was returned in 2017 before starting its second life with Indigo in April 2018, uh, before going into storage in October 2020. In all, the A320 clocked 25,000 159 cycles and 40,376 hours. The finished A320 P2F will have 10 positions on the main flight deck, or on the main deck, I should say, and seven in the lower deck with a total cargo payload of 21.9 tonnes. The longer A321 P2F has 14 and 10 positions on the main and lower deck, respectively. Elb Elugzwerk, uh, AFW, uh, ST Engineering's German-based uh, joint venture with Airbus, re-delivered the first A321 uh, P2F to Valair, operated by Qantas for Australia Post in October of 2020. ST Engineering said it is looking to set up new conversion lines at its uh, Yemen-China uh, facility and in the U.S. at its subsidiary VT San Antonio. So come on in, our A320 uh, pilots on the show. What do you think about this uh, for, for a change? Flying freight rather than passengers. Now, I'd happily do that because I am a NATO I prefer to go to bed at 5am than get out of bed at 5am. It's interesting, that is actually quite a young aircraft that's being converted there. What, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, it's quite interesting that the reason that Airbus never actually built any of these is that the production line was never free enough. They had so many orders for passenger aircraft. There was never any capacity in the production line to produce a freight aircraft, which is why they're having to do these conversions on older airframes. I think it's a great idea you know it's a as much as 
you'll hate to hear this, Carlos. You know, the, the A320 family is increasing and becoming much more dominant. And certainly for airlines that want to operate both passenger and cargo, it gives them the ability to to have one fleet. Whereas before, they wouldn't have to do that. And we've got, there's a P2F already in the UK. Titan have got a 321. And they're just mm. starting, they're going to increase their fleet because Titan are going all Airbus in the end. So I think we're going to see a lot more of these. I can see DHL having them. I can definitely see FedEx having them in the future as well. DHL have still got a 300, haven't they? Yeah, the 300, yeah. 600R, yeah. Proper aeroplane, that. I saw it? that yesterday, actually. It took off in front of us yesterday. Oh, wow. Mm. I mean, do you think some of this is actually being ex- ex- sort of, I don't know if the word exacerbated is the right one, but, I mean, do you think some, some of these sort of conversions are being accelerated because the, there isn't the demand for the passenger variant right now? I mean, do you think that's why some of these conversions are taking place, or is it just a coincidence? I, th- I think it helped. Oh, hello. Sorry, we're having a couple of uh, issues the in the studio here. Hang on, just bear with it. Should, it's right, they're coming back. Hello, there we are. Hello. <laughs> Apparently um, my internet connection is unstable, oh, so yeah. that's always fun on a on a live show, isn't it? There we are, right, as you were. <laughs> the joy with having a 320 converted alongside 330 for it is, is it's, it's basically a single type rating for these companies as well. That's true. They can have guys flying packages around Europe uh, one day and then the next day, transatlantic, transpacific, whatever you want, down to Hong Kong. Or It's it's cost effective. Mm. I don't think this is necessarily... I mean, it might from now be accelerated due to COVID, but I think um, all of this stuff will have been in the pipeline for quite a long time. And I think the time before last, when I came in, I think I did a story about this, actually, possibly. Mm. Um, and that, So it's been planned sort of for quite a long for a time while. yeah yeah no that's yeah. a fair comment yeah um, i believe correct me if i'm wrong andy the titan one is that is actually convertible isn't it they can put a pallet of seats in is that correct uh yeah yeah they can yeah, yeah that, that is a convertible a pallet of seats that's wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's easy, not easy to get that's, people off then yeah it's not yeah it's not new technology i mean quite a lot of titan's old aircraft had that these they sort of slide rows of seats in. It's yeah, like they, an overnight fit, but that's um, QC the yeah. quick quick change, quick convertible, whatever that stands yeah. for. Okay, and they can yeah, just lock most, it into the floor of the most aircraft. military aircraft, or at least military cargo aircraft have that same configuration where you can just put a pallet of seats on there. So, on yeah, a C seventeen KC one thirty five. A lot of the old seven three sevens flying up in Alaska, for example, you can do that. You can swap them out or do them as combis. Yeah. Nice. There you are. Every day's a school day, isn't it? It certainly (laughs) is. So we all love a mystery destination holiday, but Nev, what are Qantas doing? Yes, I was a bit worried when I saw this story because I thought, oh no, the uh, FMS has mucked up again. But uh, no, it's actually a real a real situation. And on simpleflying.com, uh, they're saying that hot on the heels of a couple of successful flights to nowhere last year, Qantas is running some one-off mystery flights over the next few months. Mystery flights aren't new in Australia. You may recall that East West, Ansett and Australian Airlines all offered them uh, once. Now Qantas is getting on board offering a fresh take 
on an old idea. Our customers tell us uh, that where they can and can't travel within Australia has been a bit of a mystery lately, says Qantas Group Chief uh, Customer Officer Stephanie Tully. As well as helping bring more of our people back to work, these mystery flights are another way to support tourism operators in regional areas, especially those who have been hit particularly hard by several waves of travel restrictions. There's going to be three flights using uh, 737-800 aircraft flying from three cities. The first mystery flight will operate out of Brisbane on Saturday, March the 27th, then out of Sydney on Sunday, April the 18th, and finally out of Melbourne on Saturday, May the 1st. It's not just the flights that Qantas have got lined up. The airline is organising a day's worth of stuff to do when you land, and that's all covered in the ticket price. But being a mystery flight, Qantas isn't saying where you'll be heading to until the descent into the destination begins but they do promise to tell you whether to bring your tiara or thongs well mine's in the wash so i can't use that obviously uh, but uh, the airline says that destinations will be around two hours flying time of the respective cities uh, however, uh, there are a few tantalising clues. Uh, Ex-Sydney passengers can expect the tropics, salt water on your skin and long lunching on the beach. Uh, Brisbane packed, uh, passengers are primed to expect, expect country hospitality, gourmet food and wine and the great outdoors. And if you're flying out of Melbourne, Qantas says that passengers can expect the great outdoors, including walking, gourmet food and wine and regional farmers markets. Experiences on the ground could include anything from a wine making course to a gourmet lunch with musical entertainment on the shores of a tropical island wonders, says Qantas. Tickets go on sale, uh, they've just gone on sale yesterday on uh, March the 4th. Uh, fares start from 737 Australian dollars in economy class and 1,559 Australian dollars in business. Uh, ticket prices cover everything for the Day, including food and drinks. Simple Flying believes passenger numbers on the flights will be capped at 120. That's a, my kind of trip, actually. A mystery flight. That would be brilliant, wouldn't it? What a, what a that, laugh that would be. I mean... Yeah. Oh, before you say anything, Matt, I would totally do it. I would yeah, totally do okay, it. Okay, alright. I, I, I accept that in almost all circumstances here, I am the anomaly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know you're a particular chap, uh, Nev, but I didn't know you put your uh, flip-flops in the wash. Uh, that's right, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, they uh, they call uh, that item differently there to what we call them here, don't they? Right, yeah. <laughs> OK. Uh... <laughs> uh, that, expl- that explains everything. Uh, <laughs> OK. Uh, Matt's actually sent me a picture of the... Um, uh, the the, the pallet seating. Uh, unfortunately, I can't get it up on screen because he's sent it to the wrong number. But that's uh, that's that's really cool. It is literally like a like sort of loading. I mean, how do they get it inside though? I mean, is there because um, it's 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 sort of quite a full on sort of arrangement of seats, isn't it? So is it there like a like a wide loading door that they come in via? Yeah, yep. it's basically like a cargo door, right. so the the whole side will come up because it has to be on a freighter, and it'll just slide in sideways, just like cargo would. Uh, okay, hey, hang on, hang on. It's just been sent to me to the other number, so let me. Uh, oh, it's not doing what I wanted to do. Of course, it's not. It would never do what I wanted to do in a live show, would it? I mean, that would be far too marvelous. Am I rambling slightly? Yes. <laughs> there are some great videos on YouTube of the whole operation of it on other aircraft. It's the same on the on that. 
Yeah, there, there we go. There, there's the picture that they were uh, that um, that Matt sent. I, th- I mean, I think that's just brilliant. I mean, part of me's thinking like I'm amazed they don't do more of this. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, where they could be multi-use um, the aircraft. Yeah, and you can see there's two two guys there. They're actually pushing it, so they're probably taking them out in this photo. Right. Um, but just... yeah, they're obviously pushing them on the rollers on the on the floor there, and then once they're in position, they just lock them down and. And bring the next it. row in. Yeah. As yeah. a complete aside, I read a great article. UPS used to use a lot of their 727s in this way and did uh, weekend flights for passengers down to Cancun and places like that and then brought them back on uh, a Monday and then converted the aircraft back to fly cargo all week and then did the same again the following week. Yeah. The only the only problem comes, it, it gets expensive to maintain it and having the big door is actually a, a, a weight penalty as well. Oh, I see. Uh, uh, Pip's in the chat room, by the way, Andy, and he's a little bit overexcitable about your axes that you have in the background there. Yeah, yeah, we're having, we're having a chat about the guitars in the background there in the, in the chat. <laughs> it's all right. You haven't seen the best bit. There's the um, there's the arcade machine as well. <gasps> what? Look at that? Oh my goodness! What's the game? No. What's the game? What's the game? What's the game? Uh, Street Fighter. Oh no! No, that's way. amazing. <laughs> Oh, I'll tell you what, you need to hurry up and get that pub built. I cannot wait to come over for a beer. Oh, don't, don't tell everybody about the Oh, all right. Oh, sorry. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Oops. I've had wine. I apologise. My uh, back garden's <laughs> going to be full before long. It's all right. Socially distanced, of course. So <laughs> you, you, you mean you don't have the same issue with that, uh, Andy, as like what I do in here with sort of buying various pieces of aircraft and, and sim equipment and stuff? No, but um, we, we all accept you have a problem, Carlos. That's the difference. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is my room. I'm allowed to do what I want in it. Yeah, yeah. It's the. It's probably worth stressing. It's the only room in the house that he's allowed to do what he wants with. Yes, but this, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think we're a little Feel off topic. Pain. Yeah. Anyway, so it's time to move on with the next part of the show, and it's back again this week, and we've all been looking forward to this. I know I have, as well as my father. So it's time for another plain truth where this week uh, it's all about the safest place to sit on an aircraft. Hello and welcome to Another Plain Truths and this week we're going to be finding out where is the safest place to sit. Joining me as always is the legend that is Captain Al. Hi Captain Al. Good evening, Matt. <laughs> now, listen, this was actually sent in by uh, one of my friends, actually, James and Jill. And they asked, the, is, it, is there a safer place to sit in the event of a major incident on an aircraft? Oh, well, I'd say that if you know where the major incident is going to take place on the aircraft, then sit anywhere away right, from it. Right, but okay. um, Take it on the flight. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but we're, we're not privy to um, that sort of information. So um, I'll give you a, a second humorous answer to the question, and then we'll get down to the nuts and bolts. Um, if it was me, I'd sit towards the rear of the aircraft, because very few aeroplanes reverse into mountains. Right. <laughs> But being serious, um, as an aside, the flight data recorders, the all-famous black boxes, they're in fact orange, are located in the tail section because statistically the safest place for them to be located is in the tail. So the tail sections are quite often relatively intact with aircraft accident because usually 
they don't collide tail first with terrain if they're going to do some horrific sort of descending dive into the ground or to water they tend to go nose first but uh, let's kind of move a little bit away from that because we don't have the option to sit on top of the flight data recorders in the tail so you could say okay well why don't i sit in the rear rows of the aircraft and sure um, lots of studies have been done as to where statistically the safest place to sit is and you know there's no real exact answer to this because it varies quite greatly on aircraft type and also the nature of the the accident or incident you know quite clearly if a fire starts in the rear galley then you're safer at the front of the aeroplane than at the back so like any sort of statistical analysis it's difficult to come up with a a solid answer what i would say is that we can look at where is most comfortable to sit and arguably uh, towards the middle of the aircraft where the wings are is the, the area that's going to experience the least amount of effect from turbulence. But to go back to the safety question, there is quite a lot of study that's been done with regards to whether in an aeroplane uh, we should be facing forwards or backwards. Because if you ever travel on a military aircraft, the majority of passenger seats face in the opposite direction to what we're used to. In other words, we face towards the back of the aeroplane, such that if the aeroplane was involved in an accident, the deceleration forces that apply to our body... Sorry, scientists, I know that it is still acceleration, but in the negative sense. But when we're decelerating, I find it easier to talk about deceleration forces that are on our body, uh, inflict less in the way of kind of whiplash on us than if we were facing in the forward direction. Now, most passengers who've travelled on civilian airliners will never have sat facing backwards. Uh, I've travelled on a Flybe-8 in the past, that in the first few rows, some of the seats did face backwards. And it's quite unusual. Cabin crew, of course, get quite used to facing in the wrong direction. Those who are, you know, uh, in charge of the aircraft, uh, certainly on sort of smaller aircraft, you know, A320, A321 type aeroplanes, uh, the senior cabin crew will almost certainly be at doors one and uh, facing backwards because they need to see the whole passenger cabin if we had to evacuate. So the honest answer to the question is a lot of scientific studies have been done. The jury is out and I would just say sit where you feel most comfortable. <laughs> uh, as always, Captain Al, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Uh, welcome to our London studios. Uh, welcome to the A320 Lounge uh, webinar uh, tech presentation, um, obviously for the 320 series. Welcome to the A320 and 737 Lounge, bringing technical refresher courses directly to you. Using our cutting-edge broadcasting facilities, enjoy a fully interactive technical refresher course from the comfort of your own home. All of our webinars are live and you can ask your instructor a question at any point during the day. All of our instructors are highly experienced and can help you. No more expensive nights away from home, no new software required, just an internet connection. Courses are run at regular intervals, so check out A320Lounge and 737lounge.com for more details.
There we go. Great playing trues as always, Mr. Yeah. Smith. Actually, I'd like to. I'd like to point something out if I wait. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and find. I've I've lost the picture, so just bear with me a moment while I locate it. Uh, but I wonder if anybody noticed uh, that there, there's there's been a little bit of work done to the new series of the Plain Truth, where we've got a lovely yellow colour. I wonder if anybody noticed if there's been a the, the change in this particular photo. Don't, don't tell them. Just just wait to see. If just wait and see if the chat room actually notices, shall we? Uh, talk amongst yourselves while we're waiting for the lag to catch up. Uh, but, yes, uh, and also, we've got to say that, uh, of course, today is Captain Owls. Yes. Oh, it is. Yes, that is very true. Start <coughs> us off, Matt. Start us off. Start <coughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Captain Owl. Happy birthday to you. That was horrendous. Lovely. Well done, everyone. Uh, <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Lane Street already... Yes, Lane Street in the chat room. Yeah, Lane's, Lane, Lane's not hanging about, is he? So it's that Al's got his fourth bar look at long last. There yeah, we go. He's been promoted today. He has indeed. As well, it is I mean, his birthday. Is it, uh, is it a promotion or is it just the fact that we've, you know, we, we, that, that uh, producer John <laughs> has finally got down? Ironically, he was telling me actually that it took him more time to add that additional bar to his stripes. Uh, to, to, to the thing that did to edit the whole of The Plain Truth, <laughs> which I'm not at all surprised about. But well, I'm, I'm, uh, sure, uh, anyway. I'm sure Al is waiting patiently for the extra zero on his paycheck uh, for all the contributions he's made to the show. Good point. Yes, absolutely. Uh, John, make a note. Add an additional zero right now, please. Uh, of course, as a, cap- <laughs> as a captain on The Plain Truths now, I guess we, we should include him in some of the production meetings then, huh? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> Not just uh, doing the no. pre-flight. I, I don't think. I don't think anybody. You know, nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody wants that. <laughs> least of all, Captain Al. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, now uh, uh, it's uh, we've got a very very special show coming up very soon, and I think on Monday. Oh, yeah. Let's start yeah. with you, shall we? Well, I got to tell you, I've been uh, really just stepping back from all of this, as we all have. And I've been watching these ladies work extremely hard, sending out tons of emails, and they've actually received some fantastic feedback already. But next week, I can't believe it's already here. Our International Women's Day special episode is next week. We're going to have Dr. Steph here. We're going to have my beautiful wife, Megan, Ariel Tweedo from Flying Wild Alaska, airshow performer, uh, Jody Ruger, and Kathy Mexted, uh, who is very experienced as cabin crew, in addition to... Uh, so so many just fantastic pieces that we've received in and and they've been just planning this show it's i'm a little bit afraid because it's going to make the rest of our shows look uh, a little bit substandard as uh as any one of us would expect so be sure to tune in live for that one next week and uh oh man i'm just excited about it and carlos and i I think are just going to be watching you know having our own watch party with some popcorn and some beer Hell yes. Amen to that. Yeah, now, I mean, I spare, be... spare a thought for, for me and John having to work, you know, having to, because I've still got to drive the desk. I don't know quite what I did wrong ne- there. Nev, would you <laughs> like to join our popcorn party? Uh, why not? Absolutely, yes. Great idea. Yeah, why, why not? <laughs> of course, champagne and caviar for Nev. Of course, absolutely. We don't, yeah. Yes, sensible snacks for Nev only. <laughs> yeah, and that's, for me, that's only because Orville Redenbacher doesn't make caviar. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay, good yeah. to know. Uh, okay, it's uh, it's time to move on then. And Armando, you're in the chair for this as well. Oh. Yeah, I can't believe I'm not actually pressed for time today. So we're going to draw this out as long I mean, as we, we can. I mean, we can we we can soon change Ooh. that. I'm sure. If you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh man, I just I actually heard Nev's breath in <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna slow it down, drift a little bit for right. military. Now, uh, Matt, if you're ready, hit the button. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of long in the tooth. After 36 years, the Marines are in their F-18 hang on, hang on. You don't get away with that. What? <laughs> Who was that directed at? <laughs> uh, just use your imagination. Okay. Anyway, fine. they've completed their final carrier deployment. Uh, Marine Corps F-18 Hornets have flown off the flight deck of a Navy aircraft carrier for the last time. The members of Marine Fighter Attack Squadron 323, known as the Death Rattlers, uh, have returned to California last week after a 10-month deployment on the aircraft carrier Nimitz. It was the final F-18 Hornet carrier deployment for the Marine Corps, officials said in a news release uh, about this historic mission. The squadron is transitioning, of course, to the F-35B Joint Strike Fighter. The Hornets flew more than 35,000 flight hours. Uh, Oh, look, somebody's adjusting the show notes. Uh, And 14,000 missions during the deployment. Uh, I'm going to guess that's during all of their deployments. That's probably a media typo there. They fired nearly 250,000 rounds of ammunition, according to the Marine Corps, while supporting uh, carrier Air Wing 17 in the Middle East and the Pacific. Rear Admiral, not kidding, Rear Admiral James Kirk, who is the commander mm-hmm. of the Nimitz Carrier Strike Group, said last week, I'm despite sorry, flying... Hang on. <laughs> he, so he's probably really? only been in the Navy for about three years, but he got promoted to Rear Admiral just because his name is James Kirk. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I so, that, so that's the Enterprise and also uh, Rear Admiral of this particular vessel. Well, that would um, that would be great if he got <laughs> command of the Enterprise. Anyway, so he said that these Marines met the mark. Sea uh, Power magazine reported that those maintainers uh, did a great job. Those Marine pilots executed uh, fantastic missions. Uh, they supported missions in Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, East Africa during the deployment. The strike group also operated alongside other carriers in the South China Sea. Uh, the squadron has actually worked alongside the Navy for decades. It supported the Battle of Okinawa under the command of Admiral Chester Nimitz, for whom the carrier group was named, uh, in 1945, according to the Marine Corps, and began preparing for its first of many carrier-based operations two years after that. The next time the squadron heads out to sea, it'll be flying the F-35. So Marine leaders say that the stealth aircraft will give the sea services the edge as the Navy and Marine Corps face more sophisticated adversaries. So in related news, uh, this other one comes to us from uh, NavalTechnology.com. Two F-35B Lightning Joint Lightning II strike fighters uh, are undergoing sea trials aboard the Italian Navy aircraft carrier Cavour. Uh, Specially instrumented U.S. F-35Bs were flown by the test pilots from Naval Air Station Patuxent River in Maryland to the Italian Navy flagship carrier on 28 February. Uh, The F-35 is a, of course, stealthy supersonic multi-role fighter developed by Lockheed Martin for the Air Force, the Navy, the Marine, uh, as well as uh, NATO and U.S. allies. It is This version is the short takeoff and vertical landing variant of the F-35. So this test team comprises of approximately 180 staff from uh, Pax River. Uh, The F-35 Integrated Test Force 
sea uh, trials are expected to take place for up to four weeks. Now, I did read in a, a different um, news source that this they're actually doing this in Florida. Uh, the, let's see, the ITS uh, Cavour commanding officer, Italian Navy Captain Giancarlo Ciappina, said it is a remarkable achievement for all of us today to see the fifth generation fighter aircraft on our flight deck. This represents indeed an outstanding success, but at the same time, a new challenge for the future of Italian naval aviation. Uh, the test pilot, one of the test. Oh, sorry, we're having center a... aircraft different division air test and evaluation squadron two three my goodness i'm i'm with nev on this one what a what a mouthful uh, anyway they're going to fly these f-35s uh during the flight test there in florida uh, apologies there guys we're, we're having a couple of uh, minor glitches here in the studio uh, involving zoom not my end unfortunately we seem to have a a bit of a glitch here in uh, with uh, zoom so apologies that we lost uh, uh, the guys for a few seconds there but uh, yeah, everybody gets the gist uh, more importantly everybody heard the apology to Nev, which i think is the most important thing there uh <laughs> wait was that part still in there or was it yes that was still there that's all good (laughs) forever in internet history (laughs) quite absolutely uh wow okay uh matt yes matt not not you matt not smith oh right sorry matt you're next yeah so the next one is um boeing story and it comes from autoevolution.com and it is about the Boeing T-7A Red Hawk U.S. Air Force trainer enters production with a nod to the Tuskegee Airmen. Now, following a very brief development time, it went from the drawing boards to first test flight in just three years, Boeing's T-7A Red Hawk entered production last week, opening the doors to a piece of technology the future pilots of the U.S. Air Force will train on. The fighter-like machine is an evolution of the Boeing TX concept and has been developed by Boeing together with Swedish company Saab. It is powered by a General Electric turbofan engine capable of generating 17,000 pounds of thrust with afterburner while seating, of course, two pilots. Now, the plane was designed specifically with the U.S. Air Force in mind. In fact, the military branch awarded Boeing a $9.2 billion contract back in 2018, asking it to provide, in return, 351 such planes, but also 46 associated ground-based training simulators. And what the company will deliver, it will offer trainee pilots an experience that is as real as it gets, they say. Now, as for the Tuskegee Airmen connection, the reference is more than obvious to the colour scheme used on the plane, but also in the name chosen for the trainer, which is supposed to be a nod to the Curtis P-40 Warhawks and Tuskegee used to fly them into combat. Um, Quite an interesting story. You'd probably know more about this, Armando, than myself, but um, I would guess it's much harder to make a military simulator realistic because for example in the commercial world we only need to have visuals in front of us because we're looking out of windows that are only point forwards plus we don't ever experience sustained g so we only have to show like short accelerations so it must be quite hard to get a simulator to give that full immersive feeling relative to a military aircraft yeah that's actually a great point that you bring up about that specific thing about the simulator part of this because uh, so this is going to be the, the first airplane when, when uh, pilots 
finished training in the T6 Texan, which is a turboprop with a PT6 engine in it. They're going to go right to this airplane. And this airplane is almost, it's the IKEA of airplanes. It's configurable um, from a very basic mission all the way through advanced, interconnected, complex missions. And the, the students in the simulator will be real-time connected to other aircraft. Um, most likely, they're going to have uh, some kind of virtual reality uh, attached uh, to their helmets. So they're going to have uh, both Copic trainers as well as uh, VR trainers, augmented reality trainers. And this is usually technology. I, I think we did we did a couple stories of a couple airlines that are using VR and uh, augmented reality in full motion simulators already. But I, it, this is the kind of technology that eventually flows out to the civilian world. So I, I think you would be really impressed and almost completely how immersed you are while flying the, these airplanes. Yeah, and it's quite um, an interesting technological leap or, you know, for the actual pilots because um, the, like for in the UK, for example, they go from the Takano, which is a turboprop aircraft, to a Hawk. But this has got afterburners and, you know, it's quite a step, isn't it, from the equivalent of the Takano, I suppose, like a turboprop, to something with afterburners. It's quite interesting that they've, made that sort of almost cut one stage out i think it looks yeah. like a baby f-18 yeah a lot of these trainers are coming out and they have that same sort of v-tail design mm. with you know it's it's pretty interesting and some of the the foreign uh fighter jets coming out and trainer jets are also using this kind of same design but yeah uh matt absolutely it's it's been done for many years this is actually a safer step because uh guys were flying uh, going from a t6 texan Two to a T-38, which is a, a fast, slippery airplane that is uh, difficult to handle. So this will be a lot safer for them. Hmm. Cool. So the next story is on the airforcetimes.com, and this is an aircraft that is 54 years old. So uh, contract pilots in Mirage F-1 suffer non-threatening injuries in Tyndall Air Force Base crash. So we've been talking a lot on the show recently about contract fighter jet support to the U.S. military. Two pilots aboard a Mirage F-1B fighter jet suffered non-life-threatening injuries after the aircraft slid off the runway at Tyndall Air Force Base in Florida on Thursday morning, an official said for the aircraft owner, they told the Air Force Times. John Rupp, a spokesman for Airborne Tactical Advantage Company, said Thursday evening they are doing fine. He said one of our two-seat Mirage F-1Bs supporting military flight training at Tyndall upon return slid off the runway. One of the pilots ejected. Uh, uh, both pilots are recovering in local hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The company is still investigating to determine the cause of the incident. Tyndall officials said the incident occurred at 11.45 a.m. on Thursday off the end of the flight line, according to a statement posted on Twitter from Colonel Gregory Mosley, the 325th Fighter Wing Commander. He said that Tyndall is working closely with ATAC to ensure thorough and timely investigation of the incident. ATAC headquartered in Newport News, Virginia, with locations worldwide, trains, Navy, Marine, Air Force, Army and international air crews, ship crews and combat controllers or JTACs in air-to-air -air and air-to-ship and air-to-surface arenas, according 
according to their website. The Mirage F1B is a two-seat version of the French fight attack, fighter attack and reconnaissance aircraft developed as a successor to the Mirage 3, the famous Delta Ring fighter, according to the ATAC site. Yeah, this is a fairly old aircraft, actually, Armando. I was looking here, this is um, um, not in... I don't think it's in, in service, actually, with any air forces in the globe it was in service with the french iraqi the hellenic air force in greece and the spanish air force yeah we just did a story on this a couple weeks ago actually this company atac is acquiring these retired fighter aircraft and using them as aggressors uh, to train u.s pilots with real aircraft as we were just talking about um a little bit different than a simulator or anything like that uh but pretty early on into their contract I hope they don't go skidding uh, airplanes down runways very, very much, or, mm. <laughs> or their contract might be in jeopardy for next year. But the most important thing is they both are safe and well. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. What sort of bricks does this uh, aircraft have? Does anybody know? Does it need the engine to be running or something like that? For what? Uh, for the brakes to function. Does it Brakes. Need- Oh, the brakes. Right. Because <laughs> I'm in North Carolina. <laughs> right. No, uh, no, I, I think they have uh, auxiliary systems also, and they have uh, brake accumulators. So okay. there, are, there are emergency ones also. This seems to be a, a collapsed nose gear from what it seems like. So um, I'll, I'll bring an no... official. Sorry, I was going to say I'll bring an official uh, translator next time I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is we have a brick and we always we consider all of all of our paperwork for the flight, the brick. Uh, and that's what I thought you were asking about. So I was like, I don't know. I don't know about the paperwork for this particular flight. <laughs> it's a reasonable excuse. So we've we'll, we'll, we'll got to give him that, I suppose. <laughs> Nev, 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 let's move over to Australia. I think we should. And it's, uh, it's on warbirdsnews.com. And it says that the RAAF reestablishes number 100 squadron as Air Force Heritage Squadron. Well, the Royal Australian Air Force number 100 squadron will be reformed as the Air Force Heritage Squadron, operating from two locations, RAAF Base Point Cook and Timora, ahead of centenary commemorations of the service. Uh, the 100 Squadron was a RAAF Bomber and Maritime Patrol Squadron that operated during World War II. Raised in early 1942 from the remnants of a British unit that had been destroyed in Malaya, the squadron flew Bis- uh, Bristol Beauforts from bases in Queensland and New Guinea, undertaking torpedo and level bombing sorties against Japan targets in the Pacific Theatre. Following the conclusion of hostilities, the squadron was disbanded in August 1946. It's going to be reformed as the Air Force Heritage Squadron squadron this month uh, to operate airworthy warbirds. Uh, The Minister for Defence Personnel, Darren Chester, said that 100 Squadron had a proud history and after a 75-year absence, it was fitting that the RAAF reactivates it in the same year as as it commemorates its first 100 years. Uh, The 100 Squadron will fly a number of aircraft from the current Heritage Fleet from Point Cook, Victoria and Tamora in New South Wales. Uh, The new Air Force Heritage Squadron headquarters at RAAF Base Point Cook would provide a historical connection to the community and the re-establishment of of 100 coincides with the centenary of the RWF, which was formed on March the 31st, 1921. So there's a whole plethora of uh, of different aircraft based both at uh, 
Point Cook and Tamora and just a couple of examples. Uh, Harvard, Mustangs, uh, Sopwith Snipe, uh, Canberra, uh, Cessna, uh, Spitfire Mark 8, De Havilland Vampire uh, and uh, all sorts of other, and a P-40 as well actually I've just noticed there, and a Tiger Moth, all sorts of classic uh, wartime aircraft will be there so that's a fantastic uh, reactivation uh, of uh, what will be the uh, 100th uh, anniversary uh, sorry uh, the uh, sorry after a 75 year absence that's right so uh, it'll be its first 100 years so fantastic yeah and as richard adams uh, points out in the chat room this would be a great job for captain nick and i'm sure just based on the wisdom of his beard and mustache they would accept him right into the pilot in command <laughs> position Perfect. Without yes. question, yeah. <laughs> Default position. <laughs> uh, so now, interestingly enough, uh, we, 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 the, the, there was mentions of some certain equipment in Andy's house uh, that uh, were, were there. Just uh, FYI, here, here's a close-up of the gaming machine that is in Andy's uh, rumpus room, for want of a better word. Uh, and that, that Street Fighter right there, is it? Yep, that's the one, Street Fighter 2. Nice. Also oh, notice the uh, turtle's stool as well. Looks yeah, cool. I guess. I... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like I was that. actually originally concerned about having a fully working throttle quadrant turning up at Carlos's house <laughs> for his sim. Actually, this just pales into insignificance when you look at what Andy's turned up with. So. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, you know, and and just to keep um, the the nightmare that is uh, Pip uh, happy. There we go. There's a, a close up picture of the uh, the the weapons of mass destruction shall we say so there there we go that's that is a pretty nice uh collection there to be fair I, i'm more of a fans of the ones at the end there with the uh, the old six and twelve string are they both six strings aren't they yeah yeah the acoustics six acoustics nice. yeah yeah we, we've got a 12 string here in that but that's a bit brutal on the old fingers it has to be said Not bad. <laughs> okay. there we go anyway nothing to do with aviation sorry armando do carry on <laughs> Uh, Armando's on, mute. on mute, so that's fine. So don't really panic <laughs> because uh, we have got uh, a very special segment to bring you next. And uh, as you know, we've been running uh, a segment on the show for the last oh, for many weeks, actually, from uh, George Lee. And this week, we've we reached the lofty heights of part 10 of the awesome interviews with George Lee. So if you're ready, Matt, hit the button. You've also made that very difficult decision to leave the security of the Air Force. Um, that must have been a, a difficult choice as well. A big one, Nick, very big. Um, we didn't want to send our children to boarding school. You, with your service background, would know, you know, some kids thrive in it, others don't. Our kids didn't want to go to boarding school, and frankly, we didn't want to send them. So I had, of course, the option, the point of getting out of the military, 16 years commissioned service or the, or the age of 38. And Marin and I talked about it extensively. And we, we thought, right, let's, let's do this for the sake of the children. But there was a minor, not minor, there was a major problem because this was in the early 80s. And that was a particularly savage recession. And if I was going to leave the Air Force, what on earth was I going to do? because the airlines were just not hiring, absolutely. 
and senior officers actually talked to me and said, are you really, are you really sure you know what you're doing, basically? <laughs> and I put a brave smile on and said, oh, yes, yes. Uh, but the Air Force was very good because they said, look, if within 12 months of you leaving, you change your mind, we will have you back in. And, oh, that's you know, kind of them. Get you they back didn't up give me speed. that choice. Uh, yeah, so that was, very, that, that was a wonderful backstop. But this is where Tug Wilson comes in again. This is where Tug comes back in again. Everybody needs somebody like Tug in their life. He, <laughs> he was, I, I owe professionally, I know Tug everything. And, and, th and that's not an exaggeration. I really do. He had left the Air Force at his 1638 point ahead of me. He f and he went off and joined Cathay Pacific. And he became a training captain on the TriStar. Now, Tug knew me very well. And we were in Christmas card, annual contact type thing. But suddenly I'm writing a letter to Tug saying, Ed, Ed, Tug, any chance do you think of getting into cafe? <laughs> and he said, uh, well, first thing you need to do is get, your, get yourself out here to Hong Kong. All right. Show motivation, see the place, et cetera, et cetera. So Marin and I flew out, bought ourselves tickets and showed motivation by going out to Hong Kong. Tug's wife, Marlene, met us at the airport. Tug was down route. Marlene took us home, gave us the afternoon cup of tea, and suddenly the phone rings. So she goes over and answers it. And she says, it's for you, George. I said, excuse me? I've just stepped off an airplane from the UK, and it's for me? Tug, bless him, had set up, before he went off down route, he had set up a simulator assessment for me in Cathay. And they were ringing just to confirm the day, the time, you know, that this was going to be on. Oh, brilliant. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I seriously couldn't believe it. Anyway, in due course, Tug arrives back and we start chatting about this event and it's going to be in the TriStar simulator. And he said, oh, they won't give you raw data. It'll be, it'll be flight-directed, ILSs, maybe fail an engine, you know, that, that sort of stuff. Okay, so he gave me a little briefing and off I went to the simulator. And, of course, it was raw data. <laughs> Thanks, Tuz. <laughs> yes, per perfect. Perfect preparation. Anyway, it went very well. And um, the, 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 uh, the captain in charge of the whole exercise said, look, don't read too much into this. But as you're here, you may as well do a tech quiz, have a medical, have an interview. <laughs> <laughs> My jaw dropped. I said, right. Fortunately, I brought a lounge suit for the interview, which was... With, which I was very thankful for. And all of those things went very well. And at the end, I said, um, you know, sort of, uh, excuse me, I feel I need to mention I haven't actually got an ATPL. <laughs> you know? So they said, well, look, go back, get it all done. Whenever you get something like a rating, give us a call and let us know you, you've got that done. So everything that happened of interest, I rang Hong Kong. And I did my instrument rating and everything at Kidlington in the Seneca with a lovely Yorkshire lass instructor who really loved her beer. I remember that. <laughs> anyway, got through all of that, rang Hong Kong, and they said, right. Now, this was at the back end of 83. And they said, right, looks like the April course for you on the 747. How does that sound? Oh, yes. Twist my arm. I'll, I'll come over the moon. Absolutely delighted. It was only two or three nights later at something like two o'clock in the morning that the phone rings 
and I'm just dragged out of a deep sleep, stagger to the phone, pick it up, drowsily say hello. And the management guy who I knew, he was an administrator, lovely man. He said, uh, George, uh, do you still want to join us? And that snapped me to immediate state of being fully awake. I said, Malcolm, you know the answer to that. Well, he said, can you be here in two weeks' time for the 747 course? I, I, I said, Malcolm, uh, hang on a sec. Put my hand over the, over the, the mouthpiece. Marin was there standing beside me. Marin, okay, you, you with the kids, do what needs to be done. Everything good? Yes, Malcolm? Yes, no problem. <laughs> he said, right. So off I went and uh, joined, joined Cathay Pacific. So I know that Tug spoke up for me volumes at the management level, carpet corner as we called it. I know he did. And I was the first ex-pure fast jet pilot that Cathay ever hired. And also, I know it doesn't sound that old, but 38 is not actually that young to be making that sort of transition. So it was a bit of a gamble on the part of the company and I'm sure that was recognized. And when it all worked for me, then the floodgates opened and um, a lot of ex-military fast jet guys were coming, including somebody uh, on, my, on my flight at Lucas, actually, Andy Maddox. He joined and, um, yeah. So there we were, went from the F-4 to the 747, and I had no idea really what to expect. I really didn't. And I was... I just loved the aeroplane, the, the, the classic 747, because I remained on the Dash 200, 300 for all of my time in Cathay. I elected not to go on the Dash 400 or the 777 when it came along. I just stayed on the classic. I loved that aircraft. The handling was way beyond what I expected. Just, just beautiful. And the whole concept of airline flying and everything, that was a bit of a steep learning curve. Because in the fighter world, you do none of it. The Hercules guys got lots of exemptions, but not the fighter pilots. So as a matter of getting up to speed and all of that, but once all that slotted into place, the next challenge was, and they, I think they realized it was a mistake to put ex-fighter pilots on the 747, because at that time, the, the Classic was doing the long-haul route, non-stop Hong Kong to London, non-stop Hong Kong, Vancouver, Frankfurt, Rome, all of these and what a fast jet, ex-fast jet pilot needed above all else was handling and lots of it. And that's not what we were getting. We were getting minimal plus all the jet lag and everything else. Later on, they changed it and put um, the, such pilots on the TriStar, on the regional network. It made a lot more sense. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it did. Um, but you'd now joined the uh, highest paying airline in the world. Um, you certainly fell on your feet, and your progression uh, is seemed to be perfectly uh, natural for someone of your skills. You became a training captain, senior check captain. Uh, this is the p perfect p career progression. But you stayed in Hong Kong, I believe, uh, for your career, as opposed to taking uh, basing uh, in another country. Yes, that's absolutely right, Nick. Uh, but if I could just comment on what you've just said, as you know very well yourself, uh, you, can, you can be the most highly skilled pilot in the world, but if the timing's not right, you're not going to get your command slot. 
and my timing with Cathay was just perfect. The expansion that went on for decades and decades, literally, but only just started. So I was in the ideal position to actually get a command relatively quickly. But yes, the basings came up. Um, Cathay, of course, was now a major airline and they were flying to all sorts of places around the world. So it, it made a lot of sense to base air crew in maybe their home country and they just commute to the airport and pick the airplane up and so on. And it was also made financial sense because, um, yeah, they, the superannuation fund scheme would change, of course, for them. We talked about it a lot. I didn't want, I actually wanted to leave, sounds very, uh, what can I say, very unthankful, but I really wanted to get back into my gliding big time. I had pipe dreams for retirement and I wanted to do 15 years and get the travel benefits, but I didn't just want to go on and on in the airline business. And man, and I naturally talked about it extensively. I flew down to Australia a lot. I knew the Eastern part more than the West. And uh, I would thought, great gliding down here, but it wasn't just the gliding, there was more than that. And Marin finally came to the party. She was a bit reluctant. She thought we're gonna live way out bush in the middle of nowhere doing this gliding. And I think that, that played a part of her mental process. Anyway, finally she was on board big time and we stayed in Hong Kong until the 15 years were up. I handed in my resignation and we moved down to Australia. You did manage to get a little bit of gliding in, though, uh, with the wonderful Mr. Sato in Japan and uh, with the Barons in America. It sounded like you had made some good friends in the gliding world. Absolutely loving this series. And uh, I must say it's been sort of nice to sort of move away. I know we're going back to gliding uh, in next week's episode, but sort of hearing how he left the army and went on towards the um, flying the 747, obviously, for Cathay Pacific was uh, just fantastic. It's, uh, you say we've got it's uh, a couple of those left? Yeah, two more left, I think, in the can. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm really loving this series. Uh, obviously, it will be released on YouTube uh, when we finish. But, uh, yeah, really enjoyed that. And my personal thanks to George and Captain Nick for all their generous generous time putting that all together it's been really it's been really a real pleasure to to share it with everyone excellent and uh, yeah yeah thanks to everyone who's uh, been involved in putting that series together it's been fantastic so as you all know we have got matt and andy from the a320 podcast with us this evening on the show so i think it's time because they haven't been with us since uh was it episode 350 mm. well of course last we last time they out. were on the show of course they they were then launching this the 727 mm. project i mean I, i'm fascinated uh, not 727 sorry i may have had one or two wines. i do apologize Actually, um, i will say that the, <laughs> you guys i've been i've been listening to the the show since you started doing the uh, podcast i will say it for, for someone who flies the sim on x-plane it's it, honestly it's really handy it is really good even for someone who flies you know uh, uh, on a sim on the on a game as such or a sim as such but very good well done excellent no we're glad glad to hear that you like it yeah you yeah, know mark are really good um very knowledgeable and they also do a very good job of putting it across obviously for anybody who hasn't listened to it, Matt and I don't actually do that podcast because we don't fly it. It's just part of the family now. 
But uh, your A320 podcast, though, you're obviously releasing. You I think it's a couple of weeks since you last released on on your on your podcast, isn't it, guys? But also, that's one to uh, to definitely listen to for uh, for anyone actually, not just uh, pilots, but also people like myself who uh, who may fly the 320 sim on their home PC. But yeah, yeah, well worth a listen to. So well done, guys. How, how's the um, the project going? And obviously, obviously, we know the seven three seven podcast is all up and running now. But how's the uh, the three twenty podcast going with you guys? Yeah, it's going well. In fact, we've got uh, some episodes coming up that are generic, so they're not just going to be for um, the A three twenty or the seven three seven. So we're going to put some across both podcasts so that anyone can listen to those. We've got those coming up. And the next project we've been working on since we saw you was the webinars. We've now done our, we've done two 737 webinars, which have been extremely successful. We've had very good feedback from those. Um, and we've got our A321 coming up um, later on this month. We did a free webinar for resilient pilots. Um, I don't know how familiar your listeners are with resilient pilot, but they're a sort of non not-for-profit uh establishment here in the uk but they do serve people all over the world who people either want to get into flying or have been made redundant and it helps them keep current connected with like-minded people and also sort of mentors them either to their first job or back into a job if they've been made redundant so we did a webinar for them um, live from our studio in london which we've been doing all our webinars from and that was extremely successful. We, when we did the 737 one, uh, their previous record had been, I think it was 102 sign-ups. So they, we did the 737 one and we did 150. So we broke their record. And then we, we threw down the gauntlet and told A320 pilots they've got to try and better the 737 ones. And they had 502 people sign up. So I think that solves the argument of what's better, doesn't it? I mean, I know things are a bit sort of strange in the world, and they had been for the last year or over a year now. But um, for you guys, I suppose, because you're both, you're both Airbus A320 pilots, how, how's sort of the flying situation as such for you guys? Are you still um, keeping, a, keeping your hand in as such? bit varied isn't it um i've been in the sim um a couple of times just to keep current and i've done this year i've done two flights but they were or sorry two days of flying but they were all maintenance flights so we didn't have any passengers on i think we've discussed before airplanes hate being sat idle so to reduce their maintenance schedule we just fly them empty so first one i flew an airplane up to edinburgh then got on a different one and flew another one back oh. to give two aircraft flights and then yesterday i went to manchester and back which is where andy is so i gave him a quick call to ask for any tips um going into manchester <laughs> and yeah it was very nice up there my first time into manchester it was quite a nice day so, how about yeah. you andy i haven't flown this year um <gasps> wow i'm coming up on 90 day currency on monday so i'm in the simulator to do my uh, mandatory three takeoff and landings, but there's the simulator package is quite good now. We do a few of the bits and pieces, do a a little flight from A to B, and a few little things happen. Then they're going to do some other stuff, narrow runways for us captains and crosswind landings and stuff like that. So it's really good just to get a bit of practice and uh, get used to flying again. But I don't expect to fly really until around April, May at the earliest now. 
Actually, Jenny Parkinson um, in Rome asks a, a good question, actually, guys. Do they do sim lessons for the general public? Yes, we do. We do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we do sim sessions for the general public. We can organise sim time in 737 or A320. Um, yeah, 330. 330. Any full flight sim, really, that we can get our hands on, we can organise time for the general public to come and have a go and have some fun. Rough rough sort of price, kind of, for a half an hour, hour? Oh, blimey, now you're asking. <laughs> uh, fixed base is about... 350 isn't it i think yeah um and then full motion is uh, about 500 pounds an hour it's quite expensive for full motion but yeah they're not you know, these things cost 20 million pounds to buy so... <laughs> should i should ask for that for my christmas present next uh, anyway. my goodness me <clears throat> anyway captain cruz asks a good question doesn't he nev uh in the chat room he does and he asks uh with the a320 in service since the uh, 80s, um, how, do they know how different cockpits are to current A320s rolling off the line? So how is the evolution there and how do sims keep up with the development? Well, the flight deck has barely changed. Um, the biggest change that we've seen to visually look at it is the change from CRT screens to LCD. Um, an interesting fact, the CRT screens used to be that deep due to all the tube and stuff at the back. And the LCD screens are still that deep because the connector is all the way back here. And because the design hasn't changed, they've got to keep the same length so that it fits in. Um, there's been a few changes uh, cosmetically inside the flight deck um, with different transponder boxes, different weather radar systems. But ultimately, it hasn't really changed a lot. What, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, uh, same really. You know, the changes are so minor that basically the newer Sims will have the newest kit on, but it doesn't matter if you use one of the older ones. I mean, there's one of the Sims that um, Andy and I have both instructed on down uh, in Burgess Hill has still got CRT screens, and yeah. we train guys on there that are current pilots on the brand new aircraft. So that is one of the fantastic design philosophies of airbus is that it's so interchangeable and so well designed even through different types actually so the 330 and 340 are very well pretty much identical inside apart from like obviously the 340 has got four qu throttle quadrants so that's it yeah. the biggest change has really have been software updates just like you can yeah. at home um as time has gone on and Airbus have found better ways to do things and optimise the equipment that they have, they just update the software. We've got lots of different computers on board because it's fly-by-wires, the ELACs, the SEX. They've all just been updated with new standards to improve handling. And, um, yeah, and the autopilot as well. There's been a few changes there to improve handling. Now, if you had the chance, didn't you, uh, not so long back, to have a go in the... Uh... In a certain 326. Oh, yes. No, the guys, uh, we, we were filming up in Cambridge. And, uh, yeah, Andy and Matt, let, let me have a go at a uh, engine failure on takeoff. Uh, so single engine um, uh, departure approach and landing. And, uh, yeah, that, that concentrates the mind, I can tell you. Uh, no, actually, but, interestingly, uh, Nev, just to sort of slightly, slightly off topic there, you, you've, now you've actually sort of sat in on a couple of these webinars that, that, that the guys have been running. I mean, as a sort of non-pilot, but like a keen aviator i mean how have you found them as, as projects 
Uh, they are really well put together. I'm not just saying it because the guys are on the show, but they are very, very professionally done indeed and uh, very well presented. Graphics were brilliant. And I remember Andy and Matt saying to me quite a long time ago, I think when we first met, and uh, they were saying, and actually other people said it as well, that uh, how poor some of the quality of training things that you see on YouTube and other companies, um, you know, assets and stuff like this. So it's a real nice change to see some really high quality stuff uh, with people that have been, you know, flying the 7.3 or, or the A320 for, for 20 years or more. So, yeah, it, it, it works really well and really good uh, interaction. They've got their own chat room there as well, uh, which, which really works. So, uh, yeah, very impressive, actually. That's yeah, the key. Oh, like, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say the geek in me was suitably, suitably excited because they also use vMix, which is the software that we use here in yeah. our studio. So I've never felt more vindicated that that was the <laughs> correct route to go down to watch professionals also using that software. <laughs> the yeah. USP to these webinars is the fact that it's a technical ground school refresher course in two days that you can do from your own home, from your office, from your kitchen, wherever you want. It's fully interactive. As, as Nev said, there's chat room. People can ask questions there. They'll get put to the instructor live. The instructor can answer them or find the answer for you. And then also the instructor can ask you questions to check your how you're learning, if you've got any problems. And it's completely interactive and everybody can get involved. And that's the main thing. Yeah. yeah. And we use lots of different technologies and software, which... Uh, we've got a full production team so uh, John the producer is uh, a different John the producer we've got our own John producer Um, he's actually listening now and um, yeah he runs everything there we remotely feed in questions from the chat room and we use state-of-the-art graphics and a little bit of um, augmented reality is coming soon as well so we're developing it all the time and uh, we'll give uh, the guys here a link we actually have a free module that you can watch on youtube which is on the flight control systems which those of you who have really wondered what the fly-by-wire element of the airbus is actually all about it's an extremely interesting topic so i'll give them the link to that and it's well worth having a look yeah john's an integral part of our team he's done so much work in the production side and making it look fantastic and smooth and slick. In fact, he's made it look like it's effortless. He's put that much work in, and that is really a big part of it. Wow, wow! It's it's it's, it's such a cool project. It's it's uh, it's a really cool project. And uh, well, I, I, we all wish you a uh, huge success with it. I don't think you need it, um, but I, I I wish you all all the best with it. It's really quite cool. It's um it's time to sort of start uh, wrapping things up. I'm afraid, guys. Uh, Matt and Andy, thank you so much very, very much for for joining us. Um, a, a quick reminder: obviously, next week is a very special show, as we've already said. Uh, mm. Where it's uh, to sort of celebrate International Women's Day. We've got a, a Women in Aviation special that's taking place next week, uh, hosted by Dr. Steph Meggs, um, uh, Jody Riga, and uh, of course uh, Ariel Tweeto. Very much looking forward to sharing that with you all next week. It's going to be a very special show, so please make sure you're all watching. Uh, Carlos, uh, how can people get in touch with the show? 
Yeah, don't forget you can get in touch with the show via our social media outputs, uh, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Plain Talking UK. Don't forget as well, me, Matt uh, and Nev as well has also got a green screen. Uh, you can have your picture on the green screen behind us, guys. Just send your pictures. Uh, you can send them to our WhatsApp number, plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. Or you can email them to the show, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Don't forget to check out our website, all allofws.plaintalkinguk.com. On there you'll find links to our shop where you can treat yourself to one of our glorious PTUK T-shirts if you haven't already got one please do there's lots here to send out and you can also grab yourself one of our p2k mugs as well to adorn your kitchen on a sunday morning (laughs) Uh, you can also find our links on there to amazon if you want to do your shopping via our link uh, on our website to amazon you can it will give us a little small referral fee won't cost you a penny but uh, it's all good and you can also, obviously, on our website, find the links to Patreon and PayPal. If you fancy giving us a, a couple of pence to the show, uh, we'd all very much appreciate it indeed. Uh, don't forget as well uh, to check out our guests, Matt and Andy, over at the A320 podcast. They're at A320 podcast or info at A320 podcast if you want to email the guys. Also the A320 lounge and the 737lounge.com and 737podcast.com as well. Uh, Look for those on your uh, podcast players like I do. Just type it in on the search box and you'll find the awesome podcasts on there to download. So there we go, guys. So what's everyone up to next week? We'll start with... Let's start with Armando because he needs to run away, unfortunately. Oh, my Armando's, Armando's gone. gone. Okay, okay, he's right. gone. Armando's going flying, so he's beaten all of us. <laughs> uh, Nev, what are you doing next week? That's a good question, actually. Um, not very much, because we're still not allowed to travel yet, so I'm hoping uh, we can start doing that from the start of April, which will be nice. So uh, more uh, home working, unfortunately. Excellent. Mm. And Mr Smith, what are you doing next week? Uh, not a lot, really. Well, I'm a little bit busy next week, obviously, because we've got some final planning for this amazing show that I mentioned earlier on, where we're sort of, uh, as I say, very much looking forward to doing our Women in Aviation special. Uh, so a couple of meetings involving that just to get all the, the I's dotted and the T's crossed uh, for that. Uh, and then other than that, a little bit of uh, support with us, with uh, just the usual, really, just sort of making sure that everybody gets their wine safely uh, is my main job. Uh, John said something in my ear about Monday, which I missed, but uh, there we go. Oh, uh, Monday is actually is International Women's Day, but I mm. say our special is falling on, on Friday. Friday. What about you, yeah. Carlos? I presume you're working and getting units ready and all sorts? <laughs> I'll be in the truck next week, I'd imagine. And on, uh, I'm having oh. an actual office day Wednesday for a change. So yeah. I shall be in the office yeah. just for a change on Wednesday, which will be quite nice. Actually, Mother's Day on Sun- next Sunday, by the way, yeah. here in the Mother's UK. Day next Mother's Sunday. Day next Sunday. And yeah. uh, <laughs> our guests will go, who should we go for first? Let's go for Andy. What are you doing next week? Hello. Well, I'm off to Gatwick tomorrow, then in Ooh. the sim at a disgusting time, 5 a.m. on Monday morning. <laughs> Then the rest There's of the a five AM now. <laughs> yeah. Um oh it's an awful time of the day. Then the rest of the week I've got to just working in the office really and starting to dig out the garden for that project out there. Excellent. What about you, Matt? Um well I've got uh next week will be my first week since uh, God knows when that I won't be doing homeschooling, so that will oh. be good. Um and I'm actually doing a commercial passenger flight. 
What? Uh, yeah, up. I know. I know. What? Yeah. I'm glad I was sat um, down for that. So. I know. And uh, that's on Thursday. I am doing a Lanzarote. Oh, and it has people booked on it. I'm not sure what? how that works with uh, restrictions and things. travel only, etc. I don't know. I'll find out. Lovely. And are you going to be right? You're you going to be right doing the PAs. You used to be like. <laughs> Oh, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I was can, thinking about that. I've got to try and remember, remember what to do say. It? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, the, uh, the second he picks up that handset, hello, this is your captain speaking, he'll drop right in. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like slipping into some comfortable shoes. Off we go. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. exactly. So, uh, who's, uh, who's next? Uh, John, what are you doing next week? Oh, fascinating. Lovely. Really Thank you. fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks absolutely. for that, John. Something about planning, apparently, <laughs> is wittering on in our ear oh, constantly. Oh, bless him. Yeah. So we are going to say a last big thanks then to everyone who has joined us in the live YouTube chat room this evening. Thank you to everyone for joining us. You've been absolutely awesome, as always, this week, guys and girls. And don't forget, as well, big thanks to everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast, because we really do appreciate you guys and girls as well. Don't forget, send us some feedback. We want to hear some feedback from you. Send it into the show. Email it into the show. We want to hear what you guys and girls are up to in the world. And uh, so that's it then. We oh, are yes, actually, say... uh, just oh. just FYI, sorry, uh, some wonderful pictures that I've got behind me here. They were very kindly sent in to me uh, by Alex Robinson, who's uh, actually in the chat room uh, at the moment. And um, I think uh, a lot of these pictures were in the Gloucester area. Certainly that picture that was behind me earlier was of the, the airstrip at Gloucester, which is, I mean, that's a stunning photograph, isn't it? And he also picked a very nice day to be out flying, let's be honest. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, and then a couple of nights flights uh, that he did as well i mean there is something quite magical about night flights i mean do you guys feel the same when you're doing uh, night flights does it just everything look a little bit more special oh it's my favorite time of day to fly yeah. i much prefer flying at night to day time yeah i'm different i'm a i'm a i prefer earlier so mornings but yeah definitely when you do when i do do a late especially cities i mean obviously being based in a London airport myself, when you come in to land or you're coming in low over London on a crisp, clear night, nothing beats it, really. And that's the only time we get to be low. Is that yeah. Silverstone there? I think it is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. I've been over there many times on the way into yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, it's time awesome. to, uh, it's time to is, finish. Yeah. yeah. That is where we're going to bring episode 358 to a close. Don't forget, guys and girls, next, especially girls, next week it is our special show, uh, ladies, or special women in aviation show, really, we're going to call it, actually. So don't forget to tune in next Friday for that show. Oh, uh, Mike out. is saying in the chat room, uh, by the way, the sooner you can announce the date for the big February surprise meetup type thing, the better. Obviously, we are working on that until we've yes. got all the details firmed yes. up. Uh, but we promise we'll try and do it in the next few weeks so that people can yeah. take advantage of the the cheap airfares we promise there is big plans in in work so there certainly is so keep your ears on the show guys because it's going to be very very much a first come first serve mm, for this absolutely. special 400 show so that's it guys have a great weekend uh, wherever you are whatever you're doing so from me carlos here in my home studios from matt in the ptuk master suite studios from nev in his very well tidy studios of course. background he's got else. there yeah and uh, from Armando, he was here, but he's had to go. But uh, from Armando in his Charlotte studios, from Matt over in his studio, and from Andy in his glorious arcade studio, <laughs> and from John, who does so much work for the show in the background. A big thanks to it's John. Frightening. Big round of applause. Yeah. Yeah. 
Have a great weekend. Take care, everyone, and see you all next Friday. Take Goodbye, care, everyone. everyone. Well, no, in fact, you won't, you won't see Bye. them. That's Not the going to see us. No, no, You'll absolutely. Much nicer things. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> 